0: After last week, I definitely feel like a disclaimer <laughs> needs to be said. Each
1: why week. we did say it, we did, yeah yeah. I'm just saying for. Oh God, All right, so up. now that you bring that up, so what did you think about that uh, Rogan episode today that I shared? It was
0: excellent because that was
1: yesterday's episode, so we were a week ahead of him.
0: That that was interesting. Um, we we we've done that a lot. And no offense yes. to Mr. Rogan, but I didn't know he had such insight to that topic to be perfectly honest.
1: Insight into Alex? I told you he had insight into Alex.
0: I didn't realize he I and mean, then he's got a pretty good grip on what's going on, I think in in the world
1: right now. Well, and you also picked up on the fact that he was talking about the YouTubes, the Facebooks, the, you know, Like I think he said his quote was, we need more of those.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. It it, it was a very good episode. Um, good, good referral on that. I definitely think we pretty much had the same thing, but since we don't have that kind of distribution, we're just, I
1: know, know, but that was the crazy part. It was almost a carbon copy episode. Like they covered a lot of the same stuff. Joe, obviously being friends with Alex and actually, uh, who was his guest? That was...
0: Uh, Shooter Jennings.
1: Shooter Jennings, also apparently friends with Alex. So that's... Which... Really
0: yeah. How, how, how many friends does Alex Jones have? And I, uh, he, uh, Shooter Jennings was also on Mark Marin did not mention the Alex Jones connection. But I did find it super interesting that um, Shooter Jennings was at times on the defense
1: for Mr. Jones... Oh, big time. And, and and Joe will defend him as well.
0: Yeah, but I I definitely see where Joe put a line in the sand and said Oh no. <laughs> yeah. whoa, whoa, he whoa. said he
1: can't be he can't be unaccompanied. He needs to be And I don't know if you caught what he was talking about where Alex drinks as well. Yeah. So Alex on the air 8 hours a day, 3 of those hours he's hammered kind of thing or whatever Joe said. So yeah. that was very interesting. And
0: then when Joe just started lighting up blazing up there on air. I was a little shocked to be honest. I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. YouTube. I mean, I I get that it's legal in certain areas, but you know, so is certain, uh, acts of humans doing things to each other, but we don't put that on
1: YouTube, you know? So interesting fact about him and his YouTube, uh, I don't know his YouTube channel, I guess, lack of better term, he doesn't really get all caught up. He gets demonetized a lot. Like, really? yeah, because his producer, like they they run a pretty fine line, which is also very interesting because it's parallel to some of the stuff that we ran into. Um, they run a pretty fine line on uh, content. So sometimes they'll show stuff online or they'll play music that they're talking about, and they have to be very careful about like what the live audience hears versus what the so they record to multiple streams. like his producers amazing. But a lot of times they will get demonetized for the content that they're discussing. Like if they have a video clip or an audio clip, they have to, you know, they suffered the same fate as we do. But he doesn't. He doesn't get all bent out of shape about it. He's like, "Ah, well, oh, wow, we're probably going to get demonetized for this one."
0: Well, Joe Rogan's got uh, known in the biz as "Fu Money," right? Hey, I'm going to say He's whatever totally I can. Totally
1: Money" because yeah. I've
0: got "Fu Money," and I can lose monetization on this channel, no problem and no big deal. In fact that's probably helpful in some ways when he's talking topics that get him demonetized. So um, it does
1: happen quite often.
0: So what I need from you, Bob, though, is you're into martial arts. I need you to hang out with Dana White a little more so you can get a gig in the UFC and become famous. And then I can be like that guy that happens to know a famous guy. And then we'll be like, F you money. BK show, right? You are listening to The Bob and Kevin Show with Bob Beatty and Kevin Giszewski. Each week we cover relevant tech and social issues related to technology. And more weeks than
1: not, we're joined by special guests to add additional perspective to our topics.
0: Our website is bobandkevin.show.
1: And our episodes can be found on virtually any podcast
0: network. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for Bob and Kevin Show.
1: Hey, Bob, what are we doing today? Kevin, we are going to talk about how far down the technology stack should a developer actually know. Uh, There's going to be all kinds of stuff in and around that. Uh, Hopefully everyone enjoyed our first attempt at a cold open. And uh, I'm basically going to cover the support angle on this one because... I don't really know much about this development stack thing, so I'm turning it over to my highly talented guest, guest? no, my co-host. Oh Kevin
0: man, I got demoted. Krzyzewski.
1: He did get <laughs> demoted temporarily. Kevin, say hello to everyone. Hello, everyone. <laughs> and uh help help set the stage for tonight's episode. He-
0: Well, um, you know, I was was thinking, it's a great time to be a developer right now, and I'm not getting any younger at this, and in order for an industry to keep going, you always got to bring in fresh, new talent, and then the older talent needs to kind of, you know, pass it down to the younger generation and so on and so forth, at least for sustainability. And I was asking myself, hmm. You know, when I started this whole programming thing, when I was a computer science uh, major, I had to take a class on assembly language. Bob, did you have to take any classes on assembly language in your college?
1: I'm a I'm a journalism major. Uh, I took okay. a I took a cobalt class for fun. I'll take, that, Saturday, as a, I'll take that as
0: morning. a on a Saturday morning. No, you yeah. didn't. You didn't do no. assembly. So, for the lay listener, um, right above machine language, which is Um, zeros and ones, essentially straight binary byte code, we have assembly language, which is a language that allows you to manipulate the memory and the register positions inside a CPU. So Bob, with that very brief description, do you find that useful? Should you be learning assembly language? Should you go on Amazon and be finding books right now?
1: So just for clarification, we are the very base... Of the stack right now, or are we at the top of the stack?
0: We're, at the, we're, we're, we are, we moved into the uh, basement of so the So we're scene. in the
1: sub basement of the stack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Uh, nope. Don't think that's important at all. Okay. Me, all right. And anyone. I would, I would agree with you. So over the
0: years, what have we done as good stewards of this great technological thing? We've made things, air quotes, easier, right? we've taken this and say now you don't need to know that let's abstract that away and now you just need to do this so c plus plus as a language you have you have to do memory management garbage collection bob do you have to really worry about much of that at all in c sharp
1: i don't i don't have to worry about much of anything because i'm a really shitty developer for the record um <laughs> Also, it's probably a good idea to jump in now and say our little disclaimer bit that the the views and education level maybe at this point of Bob and Kevin from the Bob and Kevin show (laughs) are exclusively the opinions and education level of said hosts, Bob and Kevin. All right, All right so the question repeat, you were asking. <laughs> the, yeah,
0: let me repeat the question. So in C++, this is a declaration, you have to do your own memory management. I believe you got to do something similar in Objective-C um, and whatnot. And with C Sharp and I think Java for the most part, you really don't have to worry about that anymore. And we call those managed languages. So, um, Bob, when's the last time you had to really think about allocating and deallocating memory in your last app?
1: Never had to do it, but I do know that there are best practices where if you open, like, let's say, a stream object, you probably should close and dispose or you're going to be in a leak situation.
0: Yes. And as long as you follow that one bit of uh, advice there, that's about all you got to really think about, right? Besides from, you know, you just... Are shittily, (laughs) shittily, I just made a word, uh, (laughs) allocating variables all over the place and whatnot. So where I'm going, I am going somewhere with this. So at some point, you got to ask yourself, okay, advancement is good. I don't need to worry about memory management, but some joker out there is going to say, well, you need to know assembly and you need to know memory management. I would say yes, if I had to do maybe firmware or embedded stuff. But for a web stack, I probably don't need to know that.
1: Right, if you're working in hardware or app dev like native desktop app dev you probably do need to be concerned about some of that stuff or maybe not even with the tooling we have today right
0: so so progressiveness with tooling and, and languages is good so let me kind of um blur the lines a little bit here so sql let's take sql for instance and for the lay listener that is structured query language it is uh found to be in use with things such as MySQL. Uh, Microsoft SQL server, Oracle, um, et cetera. So those are, uh, relational database, um, uh, systems and SQL is the language of a relational database system. And so going through the ages, actually, I didn't have any SQL in college, believe it or not. I had to teach it all myself, but I'm- Cause I, you
1: didn't do dynamic calls in college to external data sources, Correct.
0: That is correct. Um, all we did, I, Ada ninety five, just prior to Java. It was a, there's a language called Ada ninety five, like like Ada Lovelace, and it was uh, object oriented, and never got to the part because I was on a two year degree program at that point, didn't have to deal with databases, but over the years you realize, oh crap, I can't just have a a web page and not maybe take information and store it. I mean, you could email it, but let's say you wanted to store it. Or if you wanted to not have to rewrite a page over and over and over, you wanted dynamic content. You know, the database is kind of your thing to make all that happen. So as we evolve, Mr. Betabar, over the last, I don't know, at least five to 10 years, we have these things called object relation relational um, mappers also known as ORMs. Some of the famous ones are Entity Framework, I believe, and Hibernate, and Dapper, on, all on the .NET side. And then in the Ruby world, we have something called Active Record and Ruby on Rails. So the question for you, Mr. Beatty Bar, d- do modern developers, knowing that we've kind of gotten rid of assembly you know, from our forefront, we've gotten rid of kind of memory management from our forefront, I see a lot of code camps jumping right to an entity framework, jumping right to an active record, and skipping SQL. So the question for you is, is SQL a fundamental technology that everyone should know, or is it one that is sliding by the wayside we should be using abstractions explicitly from here on out?
1: I think we're getting into the calculator versus longhand part of the discussion here. I I enjoy that I understand what happens at a SQL level that I can actually write a query, you know, do basic joins, things like that. You know, query a data set, get a data set, that kind of thing. Uh, iterate through it. Um, but I, I'm also a big fan of the tooling. I, I'm a big fan of tooling because it it speeds. It speeds output, speeds the course of development, and I don't have to know how to structure that query state. So,
0: the, I think the problem for me is it comes in when you only know an entity framework or only know an active record. A case in point, no shit, this happened at a job that I won't explicitly say who for obvious reasons. Um, and I no longer work there. Um, I, I had a simple task, I was inheriting a Rails project. And um, I said, hey, can you get me a copy of the database? And he said, sure, let me write that script. And me thinking, oh, he's going to write some sort of SQL dump. Cool, not a problem. But what he actually ended up doing is he was trying, he was struggling with Active Record to figure out how to get all records and output it to a file. And I said, well, can't you just open you know the database and you know or, or
1: write some an enterprise sequ- manager and <laughs> <laughs> do some sql statements
0: you know and whatever you know uh visual you know database visualization and he said well I, I actually don't know sql i said oh oh i'm like at, at that moment i'm like oh wait that that's a thing that that's possible you can be a developer these days and not know sql and it just blew my mind and then I I use Entity Framework uh, more and more um, I, with great resistance. I finally said, F it! All right, we're going to use this." Um, and you can write migrations, and those migrations, you know, are auto-generated by Entity Framework. Thank you very much, based on you know your C sharp classes. And then you run said migration, and then you, well, I guess it worked. And then if you are um, you know, for extra credit points, you go to your database after the migration and make sure everything looks right. The problem is, is you can only make sure it looks right if
1: what? You know SQL.
0: If you know SQL. And I will tell you, I know SQL and I know Entity Framework a bit, not expert, but I can tell you that a lot of times I've written the C-sharp incorrectly where it generated the wrong automatic commands and now my database is actually incorrect because you know, of, you know, obviously human error. But how would you ever know if you only knew one side of the equation?
1: Right. Plus you could be working against that generated copy and getting the data back that you want because you know that copy. But then all of a sudden when you push that up to live, you're totally out of sync, right?
0: Yes. Um, Yeah, there there can be all kinds of problems. And, you know, one thing that irks me is... I'll use a product and their database is just the last thing that gets fixed because everyone who's a coder on that project isn't a air quotes database person. And I would consider myself a heavy database person. I, I grew up on the mean streets of SQLville. If, <laughs> if <laughs> I mean, I started with MySQL, cut my teeth on MySQL, moved to um,
1: na na <laughs> <laughs> um. uh,
0: SQL Server. I I haven't had to deal with Oracle. Um, I imagine it's similar, but then again, I don't just don't have the need, but. For me, I understand what normalization is, what denormalization is. I understand foreign keys, private keys, composite keys, when you should have an index, uh, tuning your database, et cetera, et cetera. And no, I don't want to be a DBA. How boring would that be, just be a DBA guy? Though I think they make a lot of money, If, if I'm not mistaken there. So,
1: Bob, DBAs um, don't add us because we do respect what you do.
0: <laughs> oh, I totally do. And, uh, you know, I've, I've met a lot of DBAs who don't want the developer to have anything to do with the database either. And they want no, everything. They
1: want be- them to keep their dirty little shitty hands out of there for sure. And they
0: want everything a stored procedure and, yep. you know, yada, yada, yada. I mean, so. I think reality, though, is you don't have a DBA working with you in most circles that I, I at least am in. How about you?
1: No. I mean, in a large organization, you do have access to them, but a lot of times they're not working on client-facing work. They're the DBAs that are in charge of all the internal data management, so... And, yeah, not and No offense
0: to, to DBAs, but a lot of times they cause friction in my workflow because if I have to stop what I'm doing, ask for permission, sell them on why I need a column to be renamed or yada, yada, yada. I mean, I've worked in organizations where it's taken a week to get a column added.
1: Not just, to not to divert where we're going here because I do know that we're on a path, but I kind of felt like where we were going here is an illustration of like just bad workflow in general, though, because... And we all know this sometimes database schema gets developed on the fly and that's probably not right. I don't know. I, I, I,
0: I definitely, so I try to sketch out some things, but you know, invariably when you get into the weeds, when the rubber meets the road, you go, aha, you have those aha moments. And then you go, well, this can't be there. This, this has to go over there. One of my assumptions in planning is now false And now let me fix that. And so I need, I want that flexibility to say, damn it, there's a problem. Let me fix it right now. I don't need to make this a week-long, five-meeting, six-sign-off decision (laughs) here. Right, but I know
1: that this is probably a whole other episode unto itself, but should the output dictate how the data is structured?
0: Well, oh man, you really opened Pandora's box or or, or can of worms, I guess, is probably the better...
1: uh, exactly this is a chicken egg total conversation well so there's such thing as
0: domain-driven design and data-driven design and i think a lot of developers get stuck into a data-driven design well what would the database be then let's build on top of it as opposed to i like coming at it a different way what's the problem let's solve it and, oh, by the way where are we going to store it because i'd never like the idea of starting with a database i want to start with well, what's the problem? What's the words we're going to use? What's the interaction between these nebulous entities? And if those entities need to manifest as a database, great. If they need to manifest as a bunch of text files, great. And if they need to manifest as a Redis NoSQL solution, great too. I I don't like coming to an app with, well, we're going to use a database, now what? Check, you know, that's step one.
1: All right, so I'm going to inject here that anyone who's listening who fills more of that dva role we would love to have you as a guest on a very near future episode to discuss slash debate this exact topic so because i don't want to get us too far in the weeds on database first database last because we're talking about how far down the stack we get right
0: yeah. So let me even rewind. Let me take it. Let's get us back on track here. So another thing that I was looking at is this concept of coding camps. And I think uh, there's free ones, which I think are great. And then there's for pay ones. And when I hear about the for pay ones, I'm like, ooh, this must be great. And then you you read a lot of these and they promise you a lot of things. A, that you'll basically be a black belt ninja when you're done with this either 12 or 24 week or whatever you know, thing is, and we're going to get you a job and it's going to be great. So you you shared gotta some those,
1: those Yeah. You shared some of those marketing pieces with me, just kind of the high level bullet points. And I, and I actually can't believe that they're saying some of those things in there. Well, friends, uh, the one that but was, I saw them with my own eyes. So, I mean, they are, I just can't believe they get away with them.
0: Yeah. Um, the university of Minnesota was, uh, the one that I was looking at uh, online and, uh, I tweeted about it, um, but one of the interesting things was is they have um, they have a module you know like weeks twenty to twenty one and i'll read it verbatim um, it says Java is a mature programming language trusted across the software industry to build safe, scalable, and robust applications, and uh you will what will you learn in those two weeks? Create scalable web apps, api's, and services, take a deep dive into core java and object-oriented programming and build a foundation and common build tools for projects such as Maven. Bob, can you do all that in, in a language you've done right now? Uh, or Let's take C-sharp because you're probably not a Java guy. Two weeks. Can you build scalable apps uh, with C-sharp in two weeks with no knowledge prior coming to it?
1: Well, let's put air quotes around scalable because I know that that's what the course material is. Can I learn to build a function that takes various parameters input and analyzes those parameters and outputs something different based on the request. Yeah. So in two weeks, you could learn to write a hello world function (laughs) that passes in the name of the person you're going to say hello world to and output a scalable thing and you could even take it and analyze if it's giving a common delimited list and change the tenths of the output based on the number of inputs. I would consider that scalable. So I would say that it's met the criteria of the course outline and thank you for your $699.
0: Congratulations. It's it's like 26,000.
1: Oh, Thank you for your twenty six thousand dollars <laughs> and congratulations you are a certified Java developer from the University of Minnesota
0: actually full disclosure I don't know what the exact university of Minnesota tuition for that boot camp is, but other programs I've seen are in the twenty mid twenty thousands for for how
1: many week boot camp
0: twelve or twenty four weeks the the twenty four week is part- time the 12 week is full time and so you're gonna pay
1: you, twenty grand for that short of a program,
0: and the, uh, another resource I found basically is selling you on the idea that you'll start out sixty to seventy k just as soon as you take this twelve week course. You give us twenty six, we'll give you sixty to seventy by getting you a job. Is is really what I'm. So you, can, you can get a job in. Me.
1: You can get a job in New York City making sixty to seven thousand dollars and be at the poverty level doing grunt Java development.
0: Yeah, because I'm pretty sure if you take that same, co- you know, that same person with the cost of living that I have around here, you're definitely not getting.
1: Yeah, you're not getting that in Columbia City, Indiana. No way. So
0: um, have you. OK, I'm not going to ask this question because I don't want you to like reveal work stuff. But no, okay, go ahead. Me, come,
1: come on, try. Well, I, see. well I'll go hypothetical. hypothetically.
0: OK, <laughs> Bob and I. So you've seen office space, the Bob's, right? Well, we don't have two Bob's. We have one Bob. So um we have to inter- we're interviewing a person for a job. And their resume is, well, I was a truck driver and now I went to a code camp and now I'm applying for a junior developer for your organization. What is your gut reaction to any of that? So let me preface this with: I hope people can change from a job they don't like into one that they do want to do, like computer science. But I'm a little worried here that. We're selling people a, dream, a false dream here. So that's the person sitting in front of you. What's your questions for him?
1: So people who know me are not going to be shocked by any of the things I'm about to say. One, I don't care what their previous career was. Two, I actually probably don't care that they went to a boot camp. They their resume got through somehow some initial flag, you know, marking thing. And I was asked to conduct an interview. So I conduct the interview and I ask some logic-based questions and reference back to another episode that we had. Yes, I will let them go out on YouTube and, uh, or not YouTube, (laughs) Google, same place, same thing, and uh, get their answers. And I'm gonna judge them on the quality of their output and the methodology to get it. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be correct.
0: Okay, so. Super so good I don't care out.
1: if they took a boot camp or not. All
0: right. So if you're a betting man and I'm forcing you to be one, even if you aren't, what's the chances of a code camper who, well, this is, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just say, Oh, they're not going to be good enough. Cause they could be what, if you have a computer science grad and a code camper, do you think you would have a leaning towards a computer science grad for, over the code camper?
1: Flawed question, but I'm going to go ahead and answer anyway, um, anyway. And I'll go ahead and quantify each uh, and qualify each. So um, my computer science grad is going to graduate with all the sunshine blown up their ass that the university is going to give them. And they are going to think that they know the exact way to do everything in every single instance. The code camp person, on the other hand, is going to be freshly graduated from their 12-week crash course on how to be the best they can be given a 12-week crash course in that specific language. One of the things that I'm hoping that those instructors will be teaching them in those 12 weeks is this is not necessarily the right or only answer to solve problems. I'm giving you a foundation for future learning. So, back to the things that aren't gonna surprise anyone, I'm gonna give both those candidates an equal opportunity And I'm going to sniff out the ego of that computer science grad and probably know that that might cause issues down the road because they think they know the right answer to everything.
0: Damn. So does the pendulum swing so far for Beatty Bar that, oh, I'll show this computer science grad. (laughs) So is that a possibility?
1: Uh, No, because people will also who know me think that I have imposter syndrome. And that's actually not true because I only know enough to be dangerous. <laughs> all right, so, so I can sniff bullshit when I smell it. All
0: right, so I I do like your idea of well I don't know show me what you can do. You made it here now, show me what you can do. That's basically what you're getting at, right? Because now this paper that this resume that I'm holding up means nothing. Show me what you can do now. You got you got my attention. Show me what you can do, right? That's basically what right.
1: we're. Well, and for the computer science grad who thinks that it's their way or the highway, because that's what they've been programmed over the course of their degree pun intended, I'm going to to challenge them. Well, what if there's another way? Tell me what the other way is. Yeah.
0: I think they they can't talk the
1: way out of that. They would struggle. Yes, exactly. So,
0: so let me ask you the, the crazy HR question. Does the code camper even make it to your desk?
1: That is a question I cannot answer because I don't work in HR. Okay. But, the- but if if the code camper now, all right, so let's let's think about this. In small organizations, there's gonna be lots of overlap between HR and all the other departments. So there might be some sniff testing that happens before it gets to my desk. In a large organization, there's sometimes even automated processes where they're looking for keywords and phrases. If the Code Camper knows how to structure a resume with the right, you know, keywords and phrases to get past the initial sniff test, they're going to get to me.
0: So if it, yeah, and I think if it said University of Minnesota, JavaScript, SQL, you know, front end, you know, had some buzzwords, they probably would pass that. Right. And if
1: it's got the word certified in there somewhere because I think those code camps give you a certification. Yeah, I think it's very valid. In the uh, past. Yeah, I don't I think most of them
0: are not accredited because you can't use like a GI bill or anything with them.
1: Right. But the you know, University you of Minnesota still probably, walk out with the certification even yeah. if it's not accredited.
0: Yeah, and again I'm not picking on the University of Minnesota. You just happen to come up in the Google results. I hate it for your SEO people. They actually are winning for you. Anyway. <laughs> Um okay so let me kind of take us back here so if i want to here's here's the fundamental question ooh pun intended or not intended so it's a matter of fundamentals versus learning the flavor of the week because your computer science grad's going to learn what a different data constructs are where your code camper isn't your code camper is going to be right into bootstrap they're going to be right into react they're going to be right into an orm And then they're probably going to be right into WordPress.com as you're hosting, which are all valid things. However, when shit hits the fan, I would tend to think that the fundamentals person can understand the root cause analysis way better than the person who's running the flavor of the week. And the problem with the flavor of the week is is (laughs) the flavor of the week is called flavor of the week for a reason. When react goes out of style, when whatever bootstrap goes out of style, does that person know how to absorb the next one? Hopefully they do, but will they?
1: What What is different between our quote unquote boot camper and most of our peer group at this point, whether they have fundamentals or not? Because I know and you know that our peer group, you and I included, chase flavors all the time Great. And Have and have flavor envy all the time.
0: Oh, so let's so imposter syndrome's huge in our field, right? Um, Most of us, the the more you learn, actually, from a mentality standpoint, we think we know the most the day we graduate. I mean, it just is a downhill arrow from that point. (laughs) It's going. Oh my gosh! The more just
1: a couple minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: the The more I, the more I actually learn, the less I realize I know. You know, and uh that is so true so in our in our own peer groups i think you're right (laughs) um i i guess the, the difference between peer groups and a um code camper is is experience because our peer group knows for sure not to trust anything you know it knows okay when things go bad here's how you you stop and take stock and figure out okay what's really the underlying problem here and go from there where i think a code camper is going to have trouble going wait a second i've been all over the bootstrap docs and this is just not aligning correctly what do i do well you might have to write some of your own css <laughs> that's what i'm worried about that they don't a code camper cuz when they when they get their certification they're they're considered full stack web developer typically But if you don't really learn JavaScript and you're only learning jQuery, let's just even stop at jQuery. If you're not learning CSS, you're just learning um, bootstrap or being handed bootstrap, and you're not really, uh, or you can even take it to a CMS. Well, I didn't really make my own site. I just downloaded the CMS. And it could be WordPress, it could be whatever. You know, I think our peer group would be way more equipped with experience to be able to find their way out of that um, situation where a code camper, they're going to Google, they're going to check in with their peer group. Whoever's a smart cookie in that peer group is going to be very popular (laughs) um, with everyone else. And I think one of the things they promote is a sense of community with your classmates, which is great because in the real world, I think that's fundamental uh, to have. Um, so what I think a Coke camper needs to do is pair, pair up with an experienced person. But what I think happens a lot too is a code camper gets put into these lone wolf shops and they are just scared stiff because they don't have that support system.
1: Right. So that's a whole nother... Wow, we've picked up two new show topics within <laughs> 30 minutes because that whole mentorship kind of idea is a whole nother conversation. So if you're still listening and you have opinions on mentorship versus not, uh, definitely give us a shout and let us oh, know. Well,
0: and if, if people don't like mentorship, I don't want to hear from, because I think mentorship is that great, you know? Right.
1: But you mentioned that whole lone wolf thing, and there yeah. are tons of small agencies that are going to hire, you know, that, maybe that lesser salary requirement of someone who is a code camper. Like we're making all kinds of assumptions here just for the record. Sure are. (laughs) But that lone wolf kind of mentality, I feel like is fairly congruent with that code camper because you can just stick with what you know, unless, which is the weird situation, we're going to hire you to be the lone wolf, but we want you to do X, Y, and Z, even though you are, certified in a b and c or have a certification in a b and c that would be weird and that wouldn't match and if i was in that job interview situation i probably wouldn't take that job but if there's a match xyz and xyz that lone wolf situation is probably a great starting point because a client's going to come in and they're going to want abc and then that's where you're going to get your experience without having a mentor so
0: I think the idea of code camps, here's the pros. It, it gets somebody who wasn't normally going to probably be in this industry into the industry. And that's a wonderful thing. But I think there, people are looking at this as an opportunity, capitalistic to opportunistic type mentality where, oh, you want to come be in this career field? Well, hey, we'll take your money and we'll promise you X, Y, and Z and a job at the end. And the people who take, code campers are going hey yeah i'll take these people and we're gonna pay them low and we're gonna have these high expectations for them so what i'm kind of getting at is it's good but it feels like there's a seedy element here that i can't really articulate that well and i don't know if it's that
1: great so bob's gonna step in and play the role of huge dick here um (laughs) we had an episode not too long ago about college is it worth it so where do, where do code camps fit into that whole scheme because ah. now we're both in agreement that maybe college isn't always necessarily worth it so so you're
0: right and good good gut check there because you know i don't think my problem so much with code camps i think it's what they promise because they're, they're they're churning out full stack air quote developers in 12 weeks or 24 weeks part-time full-time whatever and I think they're focusing on frameworks instead of fundamentals. And I think if they were to focus on the fundamentals, people would be like, okay, great. Now I know what fundamentals are, but I still can't make an app.
1: Yeah, but the fundamentals are a four-year degree. And a code camp that focuses on framework and tooling is a 12-week.
0: I would say it take you four years and give you two. I, I took a two-year associate. Yeah, all right,
1: right. It's not really four years. You're right but that's still two solid years. The other two years, spoiler alert at
0: colleges, is money-making for the college. Okay. All right. Movie on. Uh, <laughs> did I just do that? <laughs> Sorry, was yes. my mic on?
1: <laughs> yes, it was a hot mic situation. Ah,
0: dang it. Uh, fake news. Um, so... I mean, I think fundamentals are obviously fundamental because when entity framework shits the bed, actually it's not entity framework shits but it's, it's when you make entity framework shit the bed, how do you fix it? Well, the only way you know is go, oh, this is, I can't use an int here. This is a, actually a decimal. Oh, I need a nullable type here. I can't use a, a hard type here. Oh, I need a GUID here. I can't use a string, you know? And a lot of that gets lost when you just say, oh, well, here's entity framework and it's going to do all this magic behind the scenes for you just accept it and i'm a close to the metal guy I, it's, I i don't like stacking if the stack gets too high it feels like jenga to me and it's gonna topple that's just me
1: so i i so you, okay. so you like to be as close to the core as possible
0: no i don't think i can agree with that statement i like to be closer to the core than
1: than floating away on, on the, the end right oh, yeah. instead of floating in the ether
0: I want to where the center of gravity is if I if if this analogy holds true. I want to be right where the center of gravity is. I don't want to be above it and I don't want to be below it. I want to be right where I think I can keep control of this unwieldy thing, you know, as best I
1: can. So there is an amazing uh Aubrey Marcus podcast. This is a total tangent. Uh look it up because he interviews a woman who talks about how an idea comes from the ether to you know, reality, which it right. falls through the stratosphere. So it's very much along this stack. So I would recommend that uh, episode highly for anyone listening and you, Kevin, as well.
0: So we've talked about SQL. We beat that horse to death here. So let's look at the back end and let's use our uh, sacrificial lamb known as .NET C-sharp. Um, so .NET gives you a framework and they hide a bunch of complexity. They're doing web calls for you they're doing some system drawing stuff you know for you they're they're doing a lot of stuff and we just accept that so we're already standing on that stack you know whether we want to or not you know if you do dot net you you start right there and then when you have a bunch of NuGet packages of dependencies then you start inheriting all that stuff um so and then there's frameworks on top of frameworks um like unity 3d is a video game framework for C-sharp and it's overwhelming. It's doing so much for me that some of me goes, this is great. But the other part of me is, oh my gosh, I'm so at the mercy of somebody else's framework that I'm so lost, you know, and that's where I start to feel, okay, I'm, I'm uncomfortable here. I don't know how this would work underneath.
1: But why do you care?
0: A, um, In general, I shouldn't care. You're right. But... <laughs> but um, it's a debugging thing, you know, it's like, okay, I need at least the general, I need the gist of how the water is going through the pipes here. I don't just want to go, well, you know what? There's water coming out of the pipes and don't worry about it. At at a fundamental level, I want to understand because when the water stops coming out of the pipes, I want to know where in my house to go start pinching around, you know, banging on which pipe, you know, same with electrical, you know, uh, all these subsystems. I kind of want to fundamentally know what is going on. When I make a web request call with .NET C sharp, I know they're handling the HTTP protocol for me, but you know what? I know the HTTP protocol. I know what a get is. I know what a put is. I know what headers are. I know what a payload is. I know when I should use put patch delete. Um, so when I start bringing on dependencies and other frameworks, I kind of fundamentally want to know, okay, what is, what is the problem that this framework is solving for me? Let me understand the, the concepts and the gist, and then let me allow it to do it for me. So I use Entity Framework, but only because I know SQL. If I didn't know SQL and I just use Entity Framework, I would feel very uncomfortable, I think. Going, well, this is doing this thing with this database, and I don't know when it doesn't work. I just don't know what to do, man. I don't know what a database does besides store my stuff. You know, I need to have a working knowledge of all that. Is that crazy?
1: I'm struggling with that question right now because if it doesn't work, but you're still relying on the framework. Does your knowledge of it allow you to fix it? Or are we back to build versus buy? Um,
0: It's obviously a fine line, but when you get one of those error, so any framework loves to give you error messages. And a lot of times it's super cryptic. And you're just on the safari mission. You know, you, you go out in the Outback, known as Stack Overflow. And then, <laughs> you know, you got to make sure you go armed, you know, there if you want to ask a question. And with a thick skin. Absolutely. And and uh, typically, I don't ask questions on there because I just don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so I'll go try to find some brave soul who asked the question and got an answer. And a lot of times... I'll be like, nope, that's not my problem. Nope, that's not my problem. Because there's like 10, there's one green check mark and there's like 10 of, well, for me, this worked. Well, for me, that didn't work. This one did work. (laughs) It's like, okay, so I got to sort signal through noise. And the only way I can sort the signal from the noise is if I know fundamentally underneath, okay, it's got to be something to do with X. And that's where I need to pan and scan through the errors. And if I didn't know anything about the underlying so I'm not saying like I understand any framework code. I'm just saying, okay, guys, we're trying to put we're trying to do an insert here into a database and it's not working. So either I there's something wrong with my table or there's something wrong with my code. It's one of the two. And I you know, I can I can divide and conquer like that, where I can't divide and conquer in Unity because Unity is just like this amazing 3D video game render that solved all your problems for you. Except when it doesn't work, you're like, I, I, I don't even know what to Google at this point. I have no idea right. what to Google. So they call Bob. Maybe Bob knows.
1: No, <laughs> well, but that's pretty interesting that you just segue to that. So you and I had an interaction earlier today where we did some pair programming, which means Bob said, Kevin, how the hell do I do this? <laughs> and so you gave me a lead on a solution. I implemented it, and when I said thanks, it actually was working. I came back to that exact same code in the exact same spot, and it was throwing an error. Between those two instances, you said, you know, you could probably just use JavaScript for this. And my reply was something along the lines of, if you can thwart it before you have to manipulate it after the fact, let's just do it on the front, which really means on the back in this instance. But after it was randomly throwing this error when it used to work, I'm like, fuck it. I'm actually going to use JavaScript. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it. But if I'm a code camper... You don't know that. Well, all right. No. Okay. So and this actually gets to the bigger point that I was trying to make the question that I was going to ask you before I made this confession about how today went um, 20 years ago, would you have known to do all those steps that you did 20 years ago? Well, with your degree, I don't, you're what you're like 65, right?
0: (laughs) I graduated (laughs) with my, my first computer science degree in 2001. So max,
1: Oh, 17 years ago. God, you're such but, a pop. But we but I mean,
0: all the technology that we have today did not exist in 2001.
1: Right, but my question is, is would you would have had the wherewithal?
0: No. The short answer is no. Right. Right.
1: <laughs> exactly. So code camper or four-year degree, maybe it's the person not the training well dictates how successful you are with this technology
0: so fair point on the would you know code camper computer science grad that's a draw complete draw right there but the computer science grad, if you could say hey dude um here's what the protocol is or here's here's you know, we're we're moving data because that's basically all we do anymore. We're web, pl- we're data plumbers. We're moving it from here. We're putting it over there. And in between, we might be like making it red or
1: blue, you know? Right. Okay. We're filtering out heavy metals here. We're letting them pass through here, but we're filtering out the cleaning agent. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, and I think a computer science grad is going to know more on the lines of, well, maybe not, but I, I guess I guess my problem is the uh, the co camper is learning a specific, a very specific framework, and so does a computer science person. You know, they they learn Java or whatever it is in, in school.
1: Gosh, maybe you're right. <laughs> well, no, but I guess the biggest point that I'm trying to get to is that really, and we've hit this theme several times. It relies on the educator as well as the program because. You're hoping that whichever, if you're choosing code camp or degree, you're going to look for educators that don't have all the answers or that give you the golden nugget that there is 27 million ways to do the same exact thing. Ah. You have to pick the one that's best for your circumstance.
0: You know what? I did learn that in college. My professor was very good. Um, I mean, a typical assignment was here's the problem, here's the expected output, go make it do that. And you can do it any way you wanted. And of course, your your prof would be like, yeah, that would work that way, and it does work that way, but you m- might want to do it, you know, keep, keep looking, you know, keep looking for answers, where I don't think you have that sort of time with a code camp, because literally, you're supposed to learn Java in two weeks. Right. And then, next thing, next, it's like whoa, I I learned eight to ninety five over the course of a year and in two two semesters, and one semester had maybe twelve assignments. It was like one a week or something, you know, and for the whole year. And at the end of that, I'm like, holy crap, this this is hard, man. <laughs> and you know, so how can we how can we condense that? I mean, there's got to be an advantage somewhere uh, with a computer science guy. I just Maybe you can't articulate it.
1: Maybe not. Maybe I'm just totally I biased. I don't here. <laughs> I don't know if there is. I think, um so all right, take the word code camp out of it. How often in your career have you been challenged with something that you didn't know and understand? And you had to come up with a solution and learn it for like you had to give yourself your own code camp.
0: Often. And the one in the last few years is queues. So I haven't had to use, I mean, queues are a use case that a lot of big businesses use, but almost no small businesses use or, and almost no like marketing website situations need. A queue is basically a way to distribute workload and basically defer work. And a lot of times we don't have that problem, except in the last few years I've had to actually deal with that quite a bit. And when I get into queues, you're like, oh, a queue, first in, first out. Yeah, yeah. And then you're like, oh, wait, that's the data st- structure. And I guess that's how I queue, like, the messaging. So there's a queue messaging. And there's a queue, oh, crap, didn't really new. Oh, shit, you know. <laughs> Damn it. So how does this work? Oh, Azure just got this thing. Oh, uh, Amazon's got this thing. And there's this thing called Rabbit and Queue. Oh, my gosh. Uh, what do I do here? How does this work? So I had to do a ton of home- homework. And you know what? I. Plussed up, you know, I feel like Mario with the one up symbol except that's an extra life I don't know if that really applies anyway uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I feel like I leveled up, you know big time and you're right in, in those moments. I was Essentially a code camper. However, I was an experienced
1: code camper. All right. So that's my next question though is that you as an individual or is that you as a result of of your degree in computer science well uh, t- to
0: be perfectly frank i discount a lot of my computer science <laughs> to degree i think i learned the most at home in the basement trying to make a video game that sucked really bad right that's, that's what that's
1: but but that's a common tale
0: Yes, and, and so I value the – because in our biz, if we can call it the biz, <laughs> um, we need people with guts, heart, fortitude, man. We need somebody who's just like, you know what? I'm going to get beat the hell down in the sentence.
1: Well, then, fort- say, then say and humility in that same sentence. Yes, and humility.
0: I'm going to get beat the hell down six ways from Sunday trying to figure out this thing and I don't even know how to formulate the damn question, and I'm going to keep going. That's that's basically if you can do that with outside and you're doing this in the basement of your own house on your own time when you could be out at the club, you know, and that's what you're doing, I wanna hire you. Right. You you come so, here.
1: So so <laughs> you could get your foot in the door based on that intestinal fortitude of the person that you are and have one code camp certification. Possibly but no, I nope, still have this. Just, nope. You just admitted that that was true. In, in, in less than three minutes, you said, I discount a lot of my computer science degree and it boils down to my intestinal fortitude as a human being and my stick to itiveness and the willing to get it willingness to get it done. You could have been a plumber. Oh wait, nope. you weren't nope. a plumber. You were a soldier. <laughs> Guilty as charged, except yes. it, it's
0: not a 12 week program. This is a, it took me years of going, man, is this.
1: <sighs> but the day you decided that you wanted to do it, you had all of the components that go into your success today. Yes. Not to mention you're also smart as fuck, but. Oh, thanks. Uh, I'll send you a dollar
0: PayPal. <laughs> 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 um. So, but You know, when I look at some of these code camps, I'm also looking at them as graduation factories. Hey, you pay us the money, we'll get we'll place you this job. We'll give you certification. Wink and a nod, you know. And so I'm looking at the at the employers too. I mean, if you're a good employee, you better do your damn diligence. You know, just you know, you know that's that's your thing. Do your diligence. But I also don't want to see where oh. Hey, you retired of working at McDonald's? You want to be a computer science engineer, nerd, whatever, you know, the title they give you? You give us X number of dollars and we will promise that we can get you in this job. All you got to do is hang it, you know, make it through 12 tough weeks. I feel like that's how it's marketed.
1: But how is that marketing any different than four-year university marketing? How is that Uh, any different?
0: Um, this would be a great time to, uh, plug our, is college worth it? Oh wait, we already did that one. We did um, that, but yes, <laughs>
1: you should check it out for sure. But how is it any different? Why is that marketing any more like, uh, uh, what do you call it? Disingenuous. slimy. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Slimy or disingenuous. Well,
0: so it's going to sound, it may sound like I'm in an ivory tower or whatnot because I have, I have two degrees and I almost had my master's before I decided, eh, I don't need my master's. I literally quit my last class. So this may come off as a sour note, but I think it is a bunch of malarkey <laughs> in a lot of ways in computer science. You either want to be in this job and do it and you 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 a find a mentor and B, you've gotta have the fortitude to do it. And I have you,
1: brought Kevin three nope, not three, one eighty from the beginning of this conversation. No,
0: because I still think the code camps are <laughs> slimy, <laughs> and I I still think they're t- they're they're like teaching the the top of that stack. You know, they're 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 putting your developer at the top of the stack where they're above the center of gravity. And I think that they need to change their curriculums to you know what, rather than like guarantee they're going to be full stack developer. Why don't you just guarantee that that they understand what the hell data constructs are and they can put together Hello World and let's just start with there. And I don't need you to be a full stack developer because we we, we complain that full stack developers in our peer group are jack of uh, all trades and masters of none. Well, what the hell is this? somebody who's been in a 12-week program? They're a jack of no trades and master of
1: none. <laughs> yeah, well, no, they're a jack of one trade. Which is? Whatever they took the code camp for. Well, Jack, for full, full jack t- of, not master, jack of.
0: Well, the, it's a full stack thing. So when you only get two weeks on bootstrap two weeks on Java two weeks on you know some hosting platform are
1: you even a jack at that point wow this was totally unintentional but we have actually uh cross-marketed so many episodes in this because we have a (laughs) full stack developer episode as well this is crazy so this was a a full disclosure I kind of poo-pooed this topic when Kevin suggested it last (laughs) week but um This was, uh, this is very good. Um, so back to wow, uh, this could be my imposter syndrome, which I really don't have, which I guess is a symptom of imposter syndrome. But if someone, I would love to take a code camp in a topic, like even, even the jack of all trades topic, like the full stack developer code camp. I would love to take it because I guarantee I would either solidify fundamentals or learn fundamentals that I didn't have.
0: I'm saying they don't even teach fundamentals.
1: I bet you they do. We've never, you know, what they. Neither they one probably, of us have ever been in one of these code camps. That's, that's true. We're totally
0: making uh, assumptions here, so we can do like a Bob and Kevin undercover.
1: Now I can tell you that both of us have taken certification classes or software-specific certification classes, how, how many certifications do you have? Oh, I've got like a dozen. Yeah. So how long were those?
0: Well, full disclosure, all you have to do is test out. <laughs> so, so, test out. so how
1: is that different than a code camp, just for the record?
0: Um, well, certifications are a money-making scheme. Let's just say it. Uh, A-plus, net-plus. <laughs> Yeah, they just will take your money. Just need to pass the test we
1: so you walked out from taking the test without any skills on any of your certifications?
0: I'm saying I came to the table with a shit ton of experience and I just made it official.
1: Right. So you were resume building.
0: Uh actually, so I went to WGU for my bachelor's and <laughs> this is gonna sound weird. We didn't have grades. All we had was certifications. So snowflake
1: school, snowflake school, you
0: want to have 10 classes. I, I literally completed four classes in one day. I took four certifications passed every single one of them. And I said, well, that was a great year of school and or semester and look forward to the next one. And, um, yeah.
1: So I have some certifications in very specific pieces of software. And I will tell you that for me personally, each and every one of those classes, I saw the, you know, you've paid the fee, we're gonna make sure you pass it. I've seen that aspect of it. But because of who I am as a person, I have actually um I've actually uh I, I've actually benefited from a fundamental standpoint from each and every one of those classes. Well, so in Also I'm a journalism major, so <laughs>
0: In in prep for any certification I took, I, I reviewed the coursework and most of the time it's yep, yep, yep. Ooh, there's a nugget. Yep, yep, yep. Ooh, there's another one. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, I'm ready. So I'm not saying it's not without its value, but I also would say it's limited, limited on their value. And I really don't think you call them resume builders. I really don't think people care that I have a plus net plus security plus you know things of that right now um so uh let me go through three other lists real quick or three other bullet points um how far (laughs) down should a developer know hosting and slash networking i mean we'll call it cloud we'll call that on-premise maybe they don't care it depends
1: on the size of the organization like i mean a developer in my mind if you're if you're in a fully staffed organization, developers shouldn't have to know about hosting.
0: All right, Developers all right.
1: shouldn't care about hosting.
0: Let me, let me totally screw with your, your standpoint then. Um, um, the, I'm trying to make a web call from code and I'm getting, it just won't, I'm just not getting it. It just won't connect. Now what? So now you have to go, well, where's the resource? What's between me and that? is it a firewall issue is it a well, configuration but that's not
1: but that's not hosting that's internal networking so well, also in also in a full staffed organization you're going to have an IT department that says hey I'm trying to connect to this outside resource on port XXXX why can't I make that connection so then your network ooh,
0: ooh, resources- stop you don't even know to ask that question I do you do, but I'm saying somebody. I'm um, okay. To my okay, point. okay, okay,
1: okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so you're going to say to your IT department, your fully staffed IT department, that I'm trying to make a, a an HTTP request, and they're right. going to say, "Oh, that's port 80." They're going to know. I'm going to know because that's just weird on me. Right. But in a fully staffed organization, so when you start to go smaller shop, then yes, more hats are going to have to be worn.
0: Right. So in, in my mind, I'm going, okay, well, what's the firewall? Oh, maybe it's a DNS because half the time it's a freaking DNS problem. You know, if, if you didn't even get into... Right, but that's an internal
1: network. DNS versus external DNS. And only a large organization is going to have an internal DNS because they're going to use that to cache.
0: Sure, but a small organization still has a DNS somewhere, but it's probably a third-party
1: service. It's probably controlled with their Comcast or, you know, AT&T but very rarely are you going to have a DNS issue unless, well, it's, unless it's a shorter than TTL domain that you're requesting against.
0: Okay, so small shop person, hey, here's hey, our domain. how
1: smart I sound, by the way. Ooh, it's great.
0: <laughs> it's great. <laughs> it's uh, so, so you've got this domain and you're in a small shop. Hey, I need you to connect this to Azure or connect this to whatever. So you're right. It does depend on the size of the organization. Um, but, but now even you're getting
1: if- in that whole unicorn territory. Not There's there's so few people that cover, like, I'm going to write a C-sharp object to perform this web voodoo. Plus, I'm <laughs> going to know the internal and external networking and have control of my firewall and have control of the domain name with the DNS. You know, like, that's so uh, rare. I,
0: I, no, I... Nope, 15-yard penalty. I'm throwing a yellow flag at Bob. <laughs> You are wrong. Those aren't unicorns. Those are people I have to work with on a daily basis, and we all have to know these things. My peer group, Bob, is less enterprise.
1: Right. Well, my peer group is all in that highly educated, diversified, multi-hat-wearing realm. But in my, in 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 Bob's personal employment situation. There's resources all throughout the organization that have specialization. So it, it it's the specialization versus jack-of-all-trades again.
0: So, so you called it unicorn. I call it experience. So most people don't do hardware networking when they do software and vice versa. They're kind of like, that was the split when I was in college. You're either going to go the network path or you're going to the software path. Right, right, right. And when I was in the military, I actually went to college for software, but in the military, guess what? I had become the networking guy. So I had to I had to run the, the Cat5 cable. I had to splice my own fiber with a fusion splicer. I had to set up my own switches. I had to do my own routers. I had to do my own OSPF or BGP protocol on my Cisco routers. I had to set up VoIP, Power over Ethernet, um, for the Cisco uh, phones. I had to do my own SSL certificates for crypto and then oh by the way i was since i was a software guy i decided to write our own logging software you know with my own stuff so
1: at the baby bar house we called that dad
0: <laughs> okay so hosting networking i think we've decided it depends on the size of the organization but i would argue that even the small organizations you got to kind of know
1: what ports and dns are well no small organizations you definitely have to know Big organization, Uh, no, you should have support. Okay, let's go, let's
0: step into the front end, which I think we already talked about back end, so we'll skip back in. So front end, uh, yes or no, should you know plain vanilla JavaScript if you're going to be a full stacker? Yes. Should you know jQuery?
1: Well, I think if you know plain vanilla, you know, not vanilla JS, but if you know plain JavaScript, then you know jQuery.
0: Vanilla JS is plain JavaScript.
1: No, I think there's actually a flavor. There's there's a, there's a framework called Vanilla JS. <laughs>
0: and it's a parody one because it's plain. Oh, <laughs> I thought it was
1: real. Okay.
0: It's a parody one. So, vanillajs.com okay. or whatever it
1: is. Gotcha. Okay. It's regular JavaScript. Gotcha. So,
0: okay. So should you know an MVVM framework, meaning should you know React or Angular or Vue? One of the three.
1: No, you don't have to.
0: Okay. But if okay, let me come at it the other way. If we have only, peer
1: group. We have peer group who's just learning it now, so it have to know.
0: So let me come at to the if if Code Camps are only teaching Vue, Angular, or React, and not bothering with the jQuery or the Vanilla, is that okay with you?
1: Well, we haven't talked about yet Code Camps as a way to expand your vocabulary. We've only talked about it as establishing primary vocabulary. So, like, I would be interested in taking a code camp, possibly to learn React, Angular, Vue kind of thing.
0: But not a full stack course. You're talking a single course. Right. Single technology. So,
1: you're talking about a full stack course that focuses on... View or React as because they the,
0: got twelve weeks and they got to go bang bang bang. Here you're going to learn Angular. We're not even going to tell you about View or React. You're just going to learn Angular. That's just what you're going to learn. And you, we don't need to tell you about jQuery or Vanilla JS. Just don't worry about those right now. We got to keep going.
1: Yeah, that's okay. Okay, all
0: right. I don't think so.
1: <laughs> I know you don't think so, but there are shops that are Angular shops. So right. why would you have to know? It's always a benefit to know the foundational language. I think but so. If you can make, if you could make the framework work, why not?
0: Okay. Um, should everyone know CSS if you're a web developer? No. Ooh, I would say. Okay, I definitely think you do. Should I have
1: I have developers that I don't want to have any. All right. Think about your, think about your standard, stereotypical relationship with. Internal IT. I don't want my internal IT to give me anything other than the raw output. I don't want tables decorated with inline CSS. So I don't want them to know even how to do that. (laughs) Oh, that's
0: great. Okay. Um, Should developers, um, if if Code Camp says here's Bootstrap, but we're not going to tell you about CSS, are you okay with that?
1: Yes. Because okay. at that point, they're just learning markup. They're learning decoration. They don't need to know how to make that class do something. I'm okay with that.
0: Um, What about a CSS preprocessor?
1: Let's say you have a developer who... <laughs> I wonder when we're going to get to those. Um, no, I don't. You know what? That's, um, that's a specialized... <laughs> I know you can't, but that's a specialized class. Uh, full disclosure, I don't use them.
0: You don't have to. All I... right it's one of those things once you get started it's hard to look back
1: right but people will come to me and they're like hey we're gonna build this um billboard website but we've got to run it through like sass and we're gonna like you know pre-compile everything because we want to get that 0.005 bump in load oh, times i'm like nope fuck it we well don't need it.
0: that's what that's not what pre-compilers are used for though that's what minifiers are used for CSS preprocessor is basically just a different way of writing your CSS. So you don't repeat yourself and you can focus and do mixins and use variables in your CSS.
1: Yeah. If you write good CSS, you don't need that shit.
0: Oh man, we are totally on (laughs) different planets right now. man. (laughs) so like you're approaching
1: it as a developer. I don't approach things as a developer because guess what? Spoiler alert. I'm not a developer
0: just just the ability to, to have a variable let's say okay the color my primary color is this hex color right here rather than me having to do a control h and re, find and replace every time the client wants to change the blue from this one to that one all I gotta do is just change one variable and it just changes it and then I can have a primary I can have a secondary I can have a tertiary I can have you know
1: That's super great, but I will argue till the end of time that the setup time to do such a thing probably equates to the Control-H find and replace time.
0: (laughs) Well, Mr. Mads Christensen has made it so easy in Visual Studio that I bet you it is actually faster than Control-H.
1: You know what? That's probably very true, but how many front-end developers are using Visual Studio for the front-end development?
0: That is a hundred percent true because <laughs> <It's laughs> Taylor, who I work with, he loves v s code shockingly, you know, yes. it's a Microsoft product. but apparently, that's all the rage. However, I don't know what he would do for his CSS or what he does do for his CSS preprocessing. I'm pretty sure he uses SAS um,
1: right. And he probably uses something Mac based, I'm guessing
0: he does. And so he may use a gun, or no, he uses webpack. I can tell you that right now. So that's what he uses to actually roll all that stuff up right to minify it all yep and yep okay so clearly a code camp is not going to teach all that because
1: again we got
0: to go we got to go guys keep moving keep
1: moving right Here and on. plus there's 27 ways to sunday i mean right that's the bottom line
0: okay um let's see <laughs> what else is there to talk about in the front end world okay actually we talked about task runners like a webpack grunt or gulp I I don't know if they would teach those. Maybe they do actually teach, hey, all you got to do is do npm install, x, y, and z, and bam. Just don't worry about how it works. It just
1: works. Right, and don't worry about all the dependencies that get pulled in when you push that npm install. Don't worry if you need those. Don't worry if you need those or not. Just go ahead and let those bloat your project file and it'll all come out and end with the minification. You're right and I mean or have, you could write or you could just write plain old vanilla CSS well it's the old problem of hey uh, I've got to
0: import these 10 Npm dependencies so I don't have to um, figure out if uh, this number is null or not <laughs> you know in JavaScript you know it's something ridiculous like right. that. okay all right Bob uh, <laughs> Once again, I don't think we solved anything.
1: God, no, um, we did not solve a damn thing, but we had a great conversation and we totally emphasized yet again that Bob and Kevin come at equations from very different perspectives.
0: Yeah, so so if, we, if I were to put a bow on this, basically I just need somebody who really wants to do this. I don't care whether you want to see, uh, college or code camp. What can you do for me? And how willing are you? How are you at the ability to adapt to the ever changing landscape? And oh, by the way, on Twitter today, there was pretty much a chorus of echoes of people saying, Gosh, it is so hard to keep up with everything these days. Even the experience people are going, Man, this is just tiring. This is just tough. I
1: heard, I heard, A, so hard to keep up. B, what else can I do other than this? And C, am I too old for this? I yeah, saw that as that.
0: well. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I know. Yeah, because I got to ask myself. So to answer the question of how to keep up, maybe the problem is is we're trying to hold on to the, the low, 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 low things on the stack, right? Maybe we need to let those go. Yeah, but I don't know if I can do that. It's, it's like... You know, maybe that's why we don't have a lot of COBOL programmers anymore because they never wanted to move on from COBOL. And, <laughs> you know, they just died off. I don't know.
1: Worst class ever.
0: Okay. Well, got any uh, final thoughts on this, Bob?
1: Uh, you know what? I, just to echo what you said, it doesn't matter what courses you took, where you came from. I'm looking for problem solvers. And I I try to think that I am one of those as well. And uh, thank God for Google.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, Bob, we just have one more piece of business and I need you to
1: bring the light.